Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin Anishinaabeg people. Welcome to our latest episode and the start of the Christmas season, or December for that matter, our new classic Christmas movies and the longest Christmas season ever, which is held in the Philippines. But (laughs) before we get into all of that, Sigs, how have you been doing? What are you up to? And Malagayan Pasco. Oh, what a way, festive way to start the season. And I'm feeling it. Yes. I miss you. I feel like we don't mm. see each other enough, even mm. though we record at least uh, once or once or twice every two weeks. I'm feeling the Christmas spirit, but mm-hmm. pop culture wise, as I lovingly order my peppermint mocha from Starbucks, <laughs> yes. I stumbled upon stuff. And, I, you know, I'm still living this Amazon Prime that my wife has us in. And I stumbled upon a show called Graves. Have you ever heard of it? No, no. When I saw it on your notes, I was yes. like, what is Graves? Right. Yeah. Tell me about it. So. It's on Amazon. It was also featured on Epics. And basically, it stars Nick Nolte. Right. And he's an ex-president who's a Republican. And he sees the wrongs he had done when he was in power. Right. In the 80s and early 90s. And right now, he's retired to Mexico. His wife, played by the beautiful, wonderful, talented Celia Ward, mm-hmm. wants to basically run for, like, Senate or, like, a Congress for um, New Mexico. And basically, it's about him writing the wrongs of his past. So okay. he has two children, played by Helena York, who I love, who's from the show The Other Two and The Good Fight, mm-hmm. and his son, Chris Lowell, who's from Glow. Yes. And basically, they were raised as like these prominent children, Republican children that were looked up to. And he's just seeing the past and saying, you know what, what I did before, it wasn't right. He hires an aide, played by Skylar Aston from Pitch Perfect. And so he's extraordinary playlist right now and it's just basically him trying to right the wrongs from his past it's a very interesting show there's it was only on for two seasons it was in 2016 to 2017 right filmed in mexico yes there's little tidbits right so i'll use an example from before whatever you know being republican and being very you know very right wing he really he's evolved and he's older and he says you know i make the mistakes from before but right now he ends up having a grandchild and like okay what do i need to do like he was part of an arms race and he made these nukes he's like he's trying to right those wrongs in very small ways and i guess skylar aston's character is more of like a wide like oh my god i get to be with this republican president who i really admire and i really respect that but he really realizes that the ways that have been done before and he's trying to write them mm-hmm. what i find interesting about this and aside from the amazing cassette in it, I wonder if there's going to be a shift with the exiting <laughs> yes. exiting person right now who is the president currently. It was leaving office. I don't know how people take, I know this is absolutely fiction, but do you think it would have changed the fact, the way that Republicans are portrayed on television from the current administration? So for example, we know that Shonda Rhimes made Scandal and everyone loved Fitz. Yes. And also, the dreamy sort of like Republican or whatever. I think there's a bit of a shift in change. 
after like 20, you know, 2019, 2020 on this portrayal of Republicans in power. The minute you mentioned Celia Ward, I kept thinking to myself and how Celia Ward in this seems to be kind of paralleling very closely to Hillary Clinton. It just made me think to myself, well, you know, Bill Clinton and Joe Biden will both tell you that when they look at some of their crime bills, for example, that they realize now that actually that added to what we're currently seeing today in terms of the zeitgeist around anti-black racism. Because Mm -hmm. that, that just further perpetuated stereotypic ideas about that has been raised recently in the societal conversations in North America and around the world for that matter. And I think that they would be both saying that we thought that we were right at the time and now it's different. So I think it's not just Republican, like it could be Democrats, it could be anybody. Sometimes you are passionate about stuff that you believe in and then hindsight is kind of 2020. It's like, oh, we thought we were doing right, but we're not. So this sounds interesting. Like, and I think the fact that Celia Ward is in it, I think Michael will just oh, love it, right? So. Remember Celia Ward, like not just the beautiful wife in the fugitive that gets killed, but remember sisters? And once and again, like once Michael, and again, Michael oh will always tell God. you, it's like, why did they release two seasons of once and again, but could not be bothered to release season three out anywhere? And so she is a lovely treasure and she looks amazing. Like I looked at him like, you are so beautiful, like and a great actress. And I was just like, Celia Ward, like totally pulled me in. So okay. yeah, Misha, Misha would look quite like it. So before, There's only two seasons. 10 episodes a season. I'm on like the ninth episode of the second season. You're just like, oh, there could have been more. But now I'm just like, you know. But are they ending it nicely after season two? What do you think? Um, Even though you're not yet finished. There's some really interesting plot lines that I don't want to get to it. So folks, everyone's looking for a quick little binge on the side. They're half hour like dramedy episodes. Only two seasons. Really intriguing. But you know what though? Nick Nolte didn't age that well, Kuya. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Didn't age well. And the old pictures of him in office or whatever are just handsome pictures of him. Like, I'm sure they used it for the people's sexiest <laughs> man issue. I'm just no like, doubt, no doubt, right? He's struggling to speak and stuff like that. Oh, and gosh. It just adds to the fact that, like, I think Susan Saran was originally given the role that Celia Ward has. And yes. she left her creative differences. So you're thinking, hmm, mm. I wonder. Because they were together in Lorenzo's Oil. They did very well in that movie. Very well. But, but maybe not. You sure. know, Nick Nolte, like all that behind the scenes stuff, less than desired press, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a very well put phrase. <laughs> yes. what? what else have you been up to pop culture wise? Well, I think it's going to link to what you're sort of up to, but my wife and I automatically like Hallmark's appearing everywhere. I know. Hallmark shows. And I just have to leave Jingle this all the way. <laughs> Jingle all the way. And like, I'm laughing because a lot of the shows, like they're totally filmed in Ottawa. I see a light show. I'm like, we've driven through that light show. That's Manatech, <laughs> five minutes away, which is great and enjoying. But the titles of the show are ridiculous. There's a movie like opening up, uh, premiering on Saturday called Don't Kiss a Man in a Christmas Sweater. Like, <laughs> and will they the find a love connection? Well, they find out she's going to trip and then follow him to him. And but I do have to say, there's a little bit of change of representation. Mm-hmm. You see some, I mean, still heteronormative, but you see like a woman that is a violin player, but she has mixed Asian descent or yes. black lead characters that are person people of color. I'm like, there's a shift, but there needs to be more. And my wife was like, why isn't there? Like, I'd like to see a Filipino guy. I'm like, yeah, me too. Filipino woman. <laughs> because my wife's just like bristling. She's like, this is cheese, and I love it. But I'm like, uh, how about like. And everyone's so generically white. I'm like, yes, honey, that's right, babe. That's right. That's right. 
as we talked about last year on the Hallmark episodes and right. uh, on that episode on Hallmark movies, it's come mm-hmm. from that Odyssey television, which used to be right. like Christian Crossroads television. And it has its roots there. But you're right. I'm glad to hear it shifting. Hopefully it shifts a little bit more faster. And we can hope. And as you had said, and as you had texted a while back that they yeah. were actually doing a same-sex couple. But right is now. it coming it's on like- Hallmark or is it? Through. I think it's lifetime, but yes. the funny thing is they're filming it now. I'm like, I don't know when they're going to drop this movie. Literally, like, Fran Drescher, the nanny's here in Ottawa <laughs> filming. The gay couple that's there, whatever, they look super cute. They have pictures of them, like, looking festive and red checks and all that stuff. So I'm hoping it comes out this season. But it can't but take more than 20 days to film, right? Exactly. It probably takes oh, yeah. 20 days uh, yeah. to film, 10 days to edit, and then just we'll roll it out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And on that note, what have you been into? Well, interestingly enough, really not necessarily holiday themed, at least appropriate to this season. But Michael and I have been kind of like in a chilling mood, you know, with winter. And so we actually binged finally through part three of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which was really good. But it wasn't as consistent as previous parts. I don't know if you've been following The Chilling Adventures or not. I can't remember. It was. Like, I was trying to get through because I really was coached by you. And I'm like, I'm loving it. I love it. And then I sort of paused. Yes. In, this, in part three because I was like, oh. And then obviously it didn't get renewed, did it? No, like, part four a, comes out this Christmas out. Eve. Or yeah, or not Christmas Eve. It comes out New Year's Eve. So it comes out on December 31st. And then that's it. And then I Isn't think that it? that's it. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I, I think that that's it. But perhaps that's all that it's meant to be. But I just found it a little bit uneven and it wasn't so consistent. Oh. And I just wished it was a little bit more thought through. I thought that the first two were like, wow, this is amazing. You know, yeah. like you can tell that they've mi- tried to mirror in a, a very opposite, diametrically opposite way Christianity is all about. And then use that to their advantage in terms of trying to understand the mythology of, of Sabrina the Teenage Witch in this different type of universe. That's right. So I am looking forward to part four and it was enjoyable, but as you know, I really like good tight storytelling and I thought that they could have done just a little bit better. But other than that, I'm looking forward to when it comes out New Year's Eve. The other thing that I've been kind of up to pop culture wise, two more other things that I've been up to pop culture wise. So after watching The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, Michael was still in this mood of supernatural beings and we had not (laughs) finished revisiting The Vampire Diaries. So we went back to The Vampire Diaries. And so we were, listeners, what you need to know out there is, is that Michael was introduced to this world by watching their originals. And I was having to kind of explain a lot of the legend and the lore. So then it was like, let's stop and maybe actually watch The Vampire Diaries. So we went back and he's very much interested And then we paused because the summer came through and it was like, you know, it wasn't a summertime type of series because it's always happening in the fall and there's always some type of love triangle going on. The basic plot, as you know, Sigs, is, hey, Elena, we need to go get some supernatural icing. Well, where do we get that? We get that at the Founders Bake Off. Okay, well, then let's go to the Founders Bake Off, right, and go get the supernatural icing. And then love triangle ensues. Then there's this kind of like watch the magic icing and who has the magic icing now. And then suddenly the main villain has that. And then cliffhanger. Now we need the magical cupcake batter mix. And then that informs the next episode. And then they chase them all over again. Love triangle ensues. And then now we're after like the magical oven that will cook everything together. So in any event, 
We're in the midst of going through the Vampire Diaries and revisiting yeah. that canon and just kind of refreshing. It's actually been fun and it's actually been, it reminds me of really good storytelling. So I really appreciated watching that again. But to get into the holiday mood, I've just been noticing all of these holiday movies. And so I've put them on my list to watch, you know, when I've got some free moments. So I haven't mm. watched any, but I've just been like, holy cow, like Netflix really wants to go head to head with Hallmark. But oh, I don't yeah. have very different brand, if you will, of Christmas and love stories. So it's kind of like a Hallmark movie, but not. And I think we're going to have to do some type of analysis in the future on all of this. And like a battle royale, Netflix versus Lifetime versus Hallmark? I think so. I think we're going to have to do that sometime soon. Maybe that's for <laughs> season four. But either way, like, have you noticed all the Netflix holiday movies that have been kind of coming on? Like Big Holiday like or something like sequels, that? sequels, right? Our yeah. girl B-Hud, Vanessa Hudgens with that Princess Switch and stuff. And then Holiday with Emma Roberts. And right. then a wonderful series that dropped Dash and Lily books of book of dares, which I've read the book with her mm-hmm. friend Tara, which was just like a love letter to New York about hiding like little notes in the strand bookstore and stuff. Yeah. 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 And then like, there's that operation, whatever, like drop Christmas or drop. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's like, it's Christmas in Hawaii, you know what I mean? Or wherever, South Pacific, I got, I have no idea. But it all looks More interesting. Diverse. More diverse, though. More diverse. More diverse. But there seems to be an edge. Like, when you look at the trailers, it, like, seems to be an edge. So I think we're going to have to, at, you know, this December period, I'm going to have to, like, really hunker down and, and steady, <laughs> steady, quote-unquote, all of these holiday movies and see if they're any different than the Hallmark brand of holiday movies. So speaking of holiday movies, that's, that is our pop culture topic. Of the week, which is basically our new classic Christmas movies. A while back, we've talked about like some classic Christmas movies like Sound of Music or Die Hard. I remember you had talked about Die Hard and how that's a that's very much a classic Christmas movie. But I think newer classics are in and around 2000s. And so I thought we would talk about what are some of our favorite classic movies. So, Six, let's start off with you. What is your new classic Christmas movie? Mine is The Family Stone, which came out in mm. 2005. Yes. A very conservative businesswoman goes to her boyfriend's family in like Boston or Connecticut and is sort of the outsider and tries to make them like her. The Family Stone cast is amazing. You have Sarah Jessica Parker playing this conservative businesswoman. Dermot Mulroney is her boyfriend. The family mm. includes the matriarch, Sybil, played by Diane Keaton. The father, Kelly, played by Craig T. Nelson. The older, goofy brother, Luke Wilson. I mean, Amy, played by Rachel McAdams, who we love. Ty Giordano, who plays Thad, who is, like, deaf. And Elizabeth Arisa, Susanna, the the other sibling, Susanna. And Claire Danes pops up as a supporting player playing Sarah Jackson Parker's sister. Mm. So the main thing, it's almost like that the outcast comes to meet the family and really wants to get in there. And Dermot Mulroney's character, Everett, wants to possibly propose and make this woman his fiance, But the family is not having it. Mm-hmm. It's very funny because you and I have talked about this movie because yes. Michael loves loves it. the role played by Rachel McAdams. Right. And it's funny, folks. It's just it's a cozy. It's set at Christmas time. The family's descending to meet this woman and they all are not a fan of Meredith as the name of the character. And it's so anti Sarah Jessica Parker. And like, I think she took the role to like sort of shake off that Carrie Bradshaw likableness yes. Yes. and just not likable at all. Totally against type. This is when Sarah Jessica Parker was riding high 
and Sex and the City just finishing. We haven't had Sex and the City movie, which pops up in 2008. Mm-hmm. Just this unlikable character. How does this outcast to the family deal with this tight group of people and to the truth that they're just not a match in personalities and views. And like, it looks like the family is gunning for her. So Rachel McAdams character, Amy was just not having her making fun of her. It's just a bumbling comedy of trying to fit in and just trying to adjust to newcomers. And I think it really identified with a lot of families where, you know what, someone brings a new girlfriend, new boyfriend home. And I think of the Filipino culture because we are built on laughter we point make laughter to make people feel included or find something funny about you. It's not to just make fun of you. It's just about accepting you. And this, you know, you jeu le jeu, like yes. this is what we play around with. Yes, where yes. one of the things that I was thinking about when my, I brought my wife, Emily, before we, I think we were engaged and she came home for Christmas with us. My mom just looked at me and I, we were inside and she's like, honey, your face looks so clear right now. Mm. Emily's like, is she saying you have less zits? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> my wife thinks, my mom thinks it's a goal that I don't have adult acne. And I, I take that as a compliment. Yes, yes, And I yes. just half laughed. I was like, what? that is so weird. I'm like, welcome to the fold. <laughs> welcome to the fold. It's just our weirdness. And, yes. you know, I think we encourage of just people just relent and be truthful and come to the fold with it. I find Family Stone really exhibits that. And it was just a tough bend for uh, Meredith Care to really get along with the family. What was really interesting about the family, they have someone who is deaf, one of the brothers, Thad is. And I think they rehearsed for about nine weeks before the movie started. Yes. Just so they could get used to American Sign Language. And people were like, the whole um, cast was like, oh, ours wasn't the best. But a lot of people like, this is a great depiction where the family's use of ASL was perfunctory, but it was a great representation. Like, this is how they speak. This is how they talk. It was like littered throughout. Like, you know, communications, like someone was always regarding Thad. And Thad was like, oh, I didn't hear what you said. What's going on? He wanted engagement. and. It was really good. The two things that I really think about The Family Stone is they had the movie Meet Me in St. Louis playing on Christmas Eve. And Susanna, the character, was watching it on TV. And they sing, you know, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, that classic song by Judy Garland. The snow's falling. And it just made it quite... It added to, like, Christmas atmosphere. That's why it is a Christmas classic for me. Like, a family trying to get together with those little hallmarks, pun intended, Mm -hmm. of this music... And people coming together, finding love, just really understanding what family bonding is about. Dysfunctional or not, you know, your family is your family and you right. enjoy it. And right. I think Meredith has that breakdown. We're like, what makes you guys so great? And Rachel McAdams' character goes, we're not that great. But what well, we have each other and that's all that sort of matters. Right. I yes. like that message. It ties neatly, which has the hallmark of it where, like, really everything ends sort of nicely with everyone <laughs> pairing off. Yes. But I'll forgive them for it. I, I really enjoy The Family Stone. I think that's my classic Christmas movie. It's on the Women's Network and stuff like that. If it's on, I just leave it on. Or my wife's like, is it? I'm like, yeah, just leave that part on. And the flurry and blurry of it is, is just great uh, background You're stuff. You're right. Michael absolutely adores The Family Stone as a modern Christmas classic. And very much he likes that character, Rachel McAdams. He loves that. And it is this idea of kind of like how to be included in a family, especially around the holiday period acclimating i think just as much as you were talking about emily acclimating to 
Filipino Christmas traditions, <laughs> I would say Michael has acclimated himself as well. And so not easy, right? Like not easy being able to do this, understand customs and stuff like that. But absolutely loves it. And I think he absolutely loves that idea of how do you become one with a, a new family and how do you get them to adopt you in a lot of ways. And I think he could just personally relate. We can both personally relate in terms of, of that. So... Well, I love that movie too. And I kind of forget that it's rapidly becoming a new classic Christmas movie. So that's a great pick. What is your classic Christmas movie? My, you know, new classic or modern classic Christmas movie is Love Actually. So in and around about the same time, 2003. And for those of you that don't know it, every time I think about Love Actually, I kind of hear Kelly Clarkson in the background roaring, saying the trouble with love is. Yes. And it is basically this 10 interlinked stories about love that usually have started five weeks before Christmas starting. And it's mostly starring an all-British cast because it takes place in and around London and Europe with Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, the only American, I think, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Keira Knightley, Rowan Atkinson. What's fascinating about it is that it just looks at and through these 10 interlinked stories and they all eventually collide into Heathrow Airport, I believe, at the end, where that's where you kind of see them all kind of come together before they get to the airport. And it's interesting because I think, I can't remember if it was Hugh Grant or Liam Neeson or Colin Firth, but one of them was narrating at the very beginning that, you know, Hugh Hugh Grant. Yes, thank you. At the airport, no one necessarily... You know, when people greet each other at the airport, it's usually because of love. And interestingly enough, this happened two years after the World Trade Center bombings. You know, Hugh Grant had said in the narration at the beginning that when people were realizing what was happening, they were calling people that they loved. And they weren't calling people that they hate and saying F you or anything like that. They were calling people that they love and saying that they love you. And that's kind of how it started the entire movie. And again, exploring different types of love from affectionate love to fraternal love, even suspicious love or true love for that matter. (laughs) It's too much to kind of go through all of the 10 different stories, recount them here, but talk about all these different types of loves that I've never really thought about until that time. And I think my favorite story probably is the one of unrequited love where there's the story between Mark, Peter, and Juliet. And yes. Mark is played by Andrew Lincoln. Peter's by Hutel Ejafor, who marries Juliet, who's played by Kira Knightley. Oh. And basically those two get married and Mark is the best man and he takes a video camera and he's videotaping them and they're all like saying, hey, can we see the video? Can we see the video? And he's really shy at showing the video. And what we end up finding out is, is that Kira Knightley's character, Juliet, says, you know... I think Mark doesn't like me. And he says, no, 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 no. Like that's, Peter's like, that's not the case. And then Julia takes it upon herself to eventually confront Mark. And Mark eventually shows the video and and ends up showing endearing close-ups of Juliet. And I think Juliet starts to figure out exactly what is happening, that Mark is indeed infatuated and if not in love with Juliet. And that's why he's been shy to kind of hand over the videos that he took at the wedding that happened prior to Christmas. But I think the most famous part and that kind of comes afterwards towards the end, it culminates in that famous scene of the cue cards, you know, where Mark comes to the doorstep, sees Juliet, plays his music and shows the cards, not expecting, but at least proclaiming his love, knowing that it would be unrequited. And let me tell you, quite a grand gesture of love. And in fact, this entire movie was filled with grand gestures of love as far as I'm concerned. 
concerned. And then he walks away knowing that he won't ever get to have her in the way that he'd want to have her. But wonderfully, Kira Knightley's character, Juliet, runs after him and just gives him a kiss. And I just thought, oh, that is the most generous thing that she could do. It wasn't meant for anything more than just that, a kiss and recognition that, yes, you know, this is difficult. But the one thing I can give you is this. The way that you articulated it was so good, especially like when she finds out that he just videotaped her for the wedding. The pathetic fallacy when he leaves, he's like, okay, uh, he leaves the whole, his flat with Juliet in there watching the video. And t- remember Dido was playing? Mm, yeah. Yes, where yes, it was yes. just like that theme song from Roswell. And right. it was just like here with me. And he was just like, oh, you can just feel all the stuff like wash over him. Yeah. And then to have this as the, the juxtaposition of his other scene with Juliet, you know, that acknowledgement and that love, you're just like, yeah. oh, and then I think he walks off just saying that's done. That's done. That's done. And I just thought to myself, like, that is such a poignant and beautiful portrayal of unrequited love and happening during the Christmas time. And that is what's so wonderful about this entire thing is different conceptions of love. So beautifully termed as love, actually, and that it's all behind the backdrop of Christmas. And I think how better to depict Christmas but make it be synonymous with all these types of love. So I absolutely enjoy, enjoy, enjoy watching this during the holiday season myself when it's like, okay, I really, really want to dive into it after Sound of Music, of course. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Did you have a favorite story in Love Actually? I can't remember if you ever told me. I love Thomas Sangster and Liam Neeson's story where he was trying to impress Olivia, the American girl at his school, and he yes. wanted to learn to play the drums. Yes, And he yes, devoted yes. himself, like even Liam Neeson, well, what can we do? goes we need to talk to leo and kate yes. and they watched titanic and then <laughs> you know and then they played oh my god she played obviously the mariah carey staple yes and she just sang like the musical moments are enough for christmas whether it's chai would tell or like whoever sang love 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 at the wedding of juliet and it just everything like it was just i really it's 10 stories intertwines like beautiful yeah it is a christmasy christmasy movie i remember watching the movie in the theaters twice buying the soundtrack yes and buying it on dvd and it was just you're totally right i really like the thomas sangster like he's trying to play the drums just to impress her that was a great story for sure and that soundtrack and number one for months afterwards if i recall correctly had quite a, a hit You know, so speaking of Christmas and speaking of the holiday season, Filipinos and the Philippines indeed love, love, love celebrating Christmas, right? And so it's like Christmas started months before even this episode drops or even before we've actually taped this episode in advance. It's amazing that it starts as of actually September 1st. And it's so (laughs) funny, right? Like every time I hear about this, they always talk about how Christmas is kicked off by the Burr month. Have you heard that expression before, Sigs? I have. And even when you had mentioned it before, the guy that we follow, Tita Che, Jeppe Paricio, had said, it's September, it's (laughs) Christmas. That's right. Yeah. So for our listeners that don't know what it means, the Burr month, it means September, October, November, (laughs) December, you know, and lasts until the Feast of the Epiphany and sometimes longer. And so the Feast of the Epiphany, for those of you that might not know a little bit about fiestas and feasts in general and Catholic Christian feasts in general, 
generals. The Epiphany is the Feast of the Three Wise Men visiting baby Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. That usually happens in and around January 6th. That officially is when Christmas is over, and it's like, well, then what happens next, right? So We wait for Easter. Yeah, we wait, we wait for Easter for sure. But, but in that time, it's incredible. Like from September 1st, to January 6th. That is a long time. I used to think to myself that we start celebrating it as of November 1st, but I remember my parents growing up, they would tell me every time we would put up the tree in December that we're used to actually putting up our tree as as of September. And I think how strange and bizarre, like it would coincide with Halloween or it coincide with Thanksgiving and they'd be like, what's Halloween and Thanksgiving? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did you have a similar experience kind of growing up, this idea of like... My parents did mention it and I we would do a little bit later November and post it, but my mom and dad had said, oh, we celebrate a little bit earlier. Like people are excited. But I said, what about like Halloween and Thanksgiving? Mom was like, well, those, we didn't have those holidays. And in North American culture or whatever, we, you know, people are, we just celebrate right now as we record this, it's November 12th. We just celebrated, you know, Remembrance Day. And out of respect, we're like, you know, then people go full out Christmassy. But you hear people, oh my gosh, you know, it's September, it's back to school. We see Halloween candy. And as soon as like maybe it's a week before like Halloween is near, like you'll see suddenly I'll see like Christmas stuff and people are like, oh my God, Christmas stuff already. But right. in my head, I'm like, yeah, oh, in the Philippines, like they live for it. It's the excitement. And totally. But I guess it's just because we haven't, I haven't grown up with it. So September is like back to school, then Thanksgiving, October, November, and then we just sort of coast right into it. But it's such a buildup. It's just that. And I sort of understood, you know, what we're celebrating the baby Jesus, as I thought when I was younger. And, you know, it's a big birth. And, you know, we grew up with, you know, Catholic culture that, you know, it's just, it's this coming. It's this, it's a special birthday and celebration. It, it was like this big buildup. And I was like, I think I'm like, wow, it would be weird to celebrate earlier, but just a big thing to work to work towards. Well, it, and it is interesting. Like you mentioned how the retail calendar just here in North America and probably in Europe too, very much matches the holiday period. And so, of course, after Remembrance Day, or if not after Halloween, do you start seeing all of the Christmas decor and Christmas music starts to kind of come out? But I have to say, I remember Christmas starting late November, early December, and... And that's when I would kind of see window dressing and Christmas decorations in the malls and stuff like that. But ever since, it's been like happening earlier and earlier and earlier. So now it's in and around Remembrance Day, if not right after Halloween. If we think about our American counterparts down south, of course, they usually start right after Thanksgiving, the minute Black Friday shopping, and everyone's already doing their Christmas shopping at that point. But this year, it just seems even earlier. Like I remember even seeing stuff in middle of October simply because people weren't buying a lot of Halloween candy. So the stores had to sell something else. So like panna cotta was already being put out on the, <laughs> the line in the Metro that I was at. And, and I saw like Christmas deco in Canadian tire. And I was like, is it Christmas already? Is it November? Right. And it was like, no, it's like October. So at Thanksgiving, yeah, Walmart had some stuff out already. Yeah, like that, I was like, Oh, Okay, right near like the Halloween stuff, then two aisles over, there was like the Christmas tree, the lights and stuff. And I was like, wow, really getting a a start there. But But yeah, I'm just surprised. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was surprised too, but I had to, I was thinking to myself, this has to be because of the pandemic. There was all the drama, or maybe not drama, but all the confusion about, you know, how was Halloween going to turn out and if Halloween mm-hmm. was essentially going to be canceled and if it was going to be canceled, then like, what would we do next? I mean, people still found a way to kind of 
celebrate or practice Halloween, depending how you think about it. Yeah. It was kind of interesting to see kind of a confluence of different cores. In fact, I felt like I was watching or in the middle of Rise of the Guardian, which is another slow becoming DreamWorks Christmas classic movie mm -hmm. that I also like. And But in any event, I was just thinking to myself, wow, like it gets earlier. But this, like what you said, is really normal for the Philippines, you know, that they're starting as of September 1st. I just think to myself, like, why has that happened? And there's basically four major theories out there. Like some think that it's a consumer marketing ploy out in the Philippines, but I don't know how much that that's true. Like, I think that that's been true ever before the retail calendar really took into effect and that you could really count on the retail calendar. I don't know if you've got any thoughts about that. I was very like surprised. And it's funny. I follow my, one of my cousins, Arby, they had their tree up mid-October. Wow. Her kids were like doing little commentating. It's a beautiful tree, like gorgeous tree, beautiful decorations. And Basti and Santi, Sebastian and um, Santiago were in front of the tree talking about it. It was so beautiful. And so when I paused at the date, I'm like, oh, it wasn't even Halloween yet. It was maybe a week before Halloween. Mm. And I just commented, I'm like, oh, gorgeous tree and stuff. And I was just like, oh, it, it, it totally rings true. And I don't know, maybe it's that buildup, like, okay, Halloween is something, but really, you know, like, uh, December's coming around, but I just, have you been visited the Philippines during that time? Like November, December, like have you, has your family ever visited during that time? I have or? to say we've been there at one point. We were there Noche Buena oh. four years ago and it was quite amazing. It's quite amazing being there in, uh, during Fiesta and that's exactly it. Like it's like happy Fiesta. It's Fiesta season, not only just in December, but in January as well. And mm -hmm. that truly is Fiesta month. And I think that that's kind of like another reason why Christmas is celebrated so early is that it seems to merged with a lot of the Fiesta traditions. Uh -huh. And as we've talked about in other episodes as well, that each little barangay and town in and around the Philippines has different Fiestas and they all seem to congregate a lot from September to January in a lot of ways. And there's been a lot of talk about, or at least a lot of research that I've done that has suggested that pre-colonial traditions were merged you know, with Christian practices as a way of being able to get people to convert to Christianity. So I wouldn't be surprised oh. if that all kind of came together. Just as much as like the European tradition, they had, had figured out apparently that we're going to celebrate Jesus's birthday on December 24th, 25th. Was he really born December 24th, 25th? Or is that just a date that was merged with the winter equinox, right? In a lot of that's ways. True. We wonder about that, but no one knows really for sure. The other explanation that's kind of out there as well is the idea of a hundred days. But this is the interesting part. When you do a hundred mm -hmm. days and you take your date calculator from <laughs> December 24th or 25th, it gets you to September 16th, which is, I guess, is close enough to September 1st. I wonder about that too. Like there's a, a nice symmetry to the idea of countdowns and, you know, Filipinos, yeah. we love our countdowns. Like we like counting down to things and, you know, in anticipation, because I think ultimately at the end of the day, like who doesn't like counting down to a big holiday? But I think the explanation that seems to kind of come out the most in any type of research I've done on, as to why the Philippines has the longest Christmas season in the world <laughs> is really the Filipino, Filipina, Filipinex mindset, which really kind of comes down to uh, earlier what I talked about before, fiesta and fiesta culture, because essentially that's what we are. We like to come together and celebrate things and we'll find a reason to celebrate. Mm -hmm. But also too, and I think probably this is 
been more poignant and more true in the last probably 40 years or 30 years is this idea of homecoming, especially since a lot of Filipinos have family members that are overseas as foreign workers or somewhere in the diaspora wanting to come home. And so there's a lot of countdown and anticipation around that. Maybe that's also where the 100 days kind of comes in. And to me, that seems like the most satisfying reason as to why the Philippines has the longest Christmas season. So curious to know what you think about that. I think it's linked to a countdown. And I think there is so much as you said, 100 days, I'm like, 100 days count back. Yeah, I, but I can see that. Like, I think there's just respect that build up 100 days. Like, I think even with the way our culture respects things, whether it's death or birth or whatever, there's always a celebration, you know, seven days since someone's passed and prayers and stuff like that. I agree with you on that symmetry, that leading up to it. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Like, I was like, oh, I never really thought about it. But when you hear it out loud, I'm like, I, I can see where we draw upon it and we, we fuel that. And it that. adds to the anticipation and to that build up to eventually Buena Noche, right? Or Noche Buena. Oh. You can see the excitement kind of coming to that. And then really interesting from September 1st to January 6th, there's not only just kind of waiting for Noche Buena or doing all that Christmas shopping. It is also about kind of making sure that you're visiting people throughout that time period during the Burr months, as they would say. For me, what's most interesting is some of the other traditions that I've heard about and that I've read about where there are some places in the Philippines that actually reenact Mary and Joseph looking for an inn. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's not just the classic na- nativity scene, but also just really focusing in on on that kind of stuff. Many different traditions that are going on, lots of things that are being reenacted, fiestas occurring, celebrations occurring, waiting for Jesus in anticipation, and then finally celebrating it from the twenty fifth to the to January sixth. So, so yeah. Longest Christmas season in the world. I'm proud to say that we belong to a culture and to, to a mindset that believes in that. And, you know, that just kind of leads us really to the fixing of the week, you know. And when I kind of think about the fixing, you know, sometimes the fixings that we make are really about wanting to out-navigate, navigate, you know, whatever difficulties we have in this world. But, you know, for this Christmas season, it's less of a fixing and more of a helping or hoping. I would want to say... The fixing or the helping or the hoping of this week is wishing everyone a great start to the Christmas and holiday season. So so from our family here at the Holo Holo podcast to yours, we're wishing you guys all a very merry and safe Christmas season, especially those that are in the Philippines right now who are struggling because of loss with respect to the typhoons that have unusually ravaged the Philippines and their unusually high activity this year, we especially send you our love and our hopes and our our wishes for you. And that we encourage all of you listeners out there that know anyone back home, back in the Philippines, or know people back home, to send out anything you can in terms of wishes, support, or resources. So anything you want to add to that, Six, before we... Have you no, I think you, I think you captured it, and yeah, I I echo your sentiments and thoughts, and we we do send love and um, search out resources that you can send to those in the Philippines right now, and just an acknowledgement, right, that we're on the other side of the world and very lucky for ourselves, and we we hope that people can be safe and do what you can. Yes, um, for do, those people out there, do what you can, indeed. You know, absolutely. So, six, take us out. 
All right, guys, you can contact us by email. Our Gmail address is at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com. You can find us on social media and Twitter at hollowhollowpop and um, Instagram at hollowhollowpopculture. What are your class, new classic Christmas movies that Jesse and I need to put in our social, in our media queue? We want to hear about it. And you can download our episode and many more to catch up this holiday season on all podcast platforms. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chal Turingen. And again, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll see all of you guys again soon. Malagayang Pasko. Malagayang Pasko, Din. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty.